Sometimes it's more of a confusing situation when you watch what's being done in the entertainment industry. You start to wonder who's making these decisions. And I've regularly had conversations with friends where we have thought to ourselves, man, if we were doing this, we would do it so much better. But then sometimes I realize that it probably isn't that easy. It just seems like the decisions that need to be made could be done so much better. But instead, they're done in like the weirdest ways. So I'll start with a quick one. Um, Shane, and I know, I know I don't want to give it more time than it deserves, but I'll go super quick. Uh, Shane, homeboy from SNL, who got canned in the end. Uh, Listen back to my last episode to hear about the other two amazing people, Bowen Yang and Chloe Feynman, who were cast along with him for season 45 of SNL. And now um, Shane's gone. He uh, was let go. Um, Posted a somewhat ridiculous apology. (laughs) And, um, you know, most likely is going to move on into being an infamous person for some short time and then somehow spin that into a whole new career. I'm not sure what that career will take. I'm not sure how the PR people and the PR machines will spin it. But, you know, it's to him and to him alone to figure out the best possible way to make that work for him. And I think one of the things that a lot of people are assuming now is that his career is over. And I think, if anything, it's not. I think the news cycle situation that we have now leads to people being able to do a lot of probably disgusting and disrespectful things and people tend to forget it very quickly because it's just not in the news cycle. And, you know, people say that the internet is where things live on forever, but, and this is what was his undoing technically, but, you know, the idea is just like, well... Can you really hold that grudge forever? Can you really say that he doesn't change in six months, a year, 18 months, three years? Like, how do we know he hasn't changed? How do we know this isn't going to be a glow up for him? You know, how do we know he doesn't transition this into something positive on his end? SNL is a place where a lot of people can go through the door and get great opportunities. But if you think about it, there are a lot of cast members who go on to just... Their biggest thing was SNL, being in the SNL cast. I remember when I saw Chris Red got added to SNL, thinking, this is a mistake. (laughs) I mean, it's great for him. It's consistent. Definitely a lot of visibility. You're being brought into the households and on the screens of millions of people across, you know, America, North America, probably the world. But at that point, I had seen Chris Red in so many things, and I was just like, this seems weird. This seems like a weird decision to me to go from doing, yes, possibly smaller specials, but to, to go from, you know, being on a TV show to being on SNL but he's done amazing on SNL and I can't take away the fact that he is very talented and he obviously knows what he's doing and I mean for some people SNL is a dream job they see people they they grew up watching people on SNL if you grew up watching Eddie Murphy on SNL if you grew up watching Chris Rock on SNL 
then even if you've done well for yourself, I can only imagine that getting on SNL would feel like you're in the footsteps of your, the giants that stood before you. Um, but yeah, not everyone that goes through the doors at SNL goes on to be an amazing comedian or have an amazing film career. And, you know, Shane could have just been the guy in the background who was there for sketches, told a few jokes, and then got, you know, that's it. That was his career. Now what happens is his name is on everybody's lips. And that was my concern with this. That was one of the reasons I was saying last week that we should definitely be talking about Bowen Yang and Chloe Feynman way more because he isn't as important as they are to the history of the show. Yes, it's a blip. It's a, it's a scar. It's a mark on the talent agent, whoever brought Shane in and didn't realize his history or didn't look or didn't vet him properly. But at the same time, it's not, it's not the end of the world. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about real quickly is the fact that we are in the streaming wars. And um, I had a few friends hit me up, a few people comment on things, asking me, like, you know, they noticed that I pay a lot of attention to this. Is this going to be bad for my wallet in the long run? Um, and I keep telling Canadians that in Canada, we definitely have an advantage. Um a lot of the programs that are produced in the States get bought up by Bell. Um, Bell even bought Ellie's Finest, which is from Spectrum. Uh, well, technically it was from us first because Bell was actually the, one of the first to buy the series. But in the States, the series is on Spectrum, which is like a streaming service that's like part of a, it's like a subsidiary of another company. And it was like their first foray into into streaming content and that's pretty big that you know but but in canada that show is only for bell and in the states is on a streaming service that definitely won't get as many views um a lot of people like to ignore the canadian market but we're still 30 million people so 30 million plus at this point so i think one of the things that's important is you know when you're canadian to think about the fact that bell does do a lot and Bell has a lot of reach, and Bell buys a lot of stuff. And Crave is where they put a lot of the content that they buy. So for all those networks in the States, if Bell is buying that stuff and they're putting it all on Crave, that one streaming app, then it actually helps us in Canada. Now, if you're in the States, it's going to be a different battle. If you're in the States, um, NBC Universal just announced that they're going to be launching Peacock, which is their streaming service. We didn't know the name yet, but the, the name's been announced today. And that service is going to be launching in April. And, you know, they're pretty much going to be locking it down. Like, the idea with a lot of what the streaming services are doing is, you know, if you have the rights to something, you are locking down the rights to that thing. You know, the fact that, you know, Parks and Recreations is going to be pulled from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and is going to be available solely on the the new Peacock streaming service is big. And then, you know, the other side of that is Netflix spending, what, some $500 million to get the exclusive streaming rights? Well, no, sorry, the global streaming rights for Seinfeld. Um, now, what does that mean in here? 
in North America? Probably not much. But when you think about the fact that Seinfeld's one of the most syndicated shows with one of the healthiest catalogs, like, you know, syndication's usually done after 100 episodes. They have almost 200 episodes. So you have a solid syndication. Uh, I mean, that's some heavy binge watching. And, you know, I, I think Netflix made that move because they saw that in the long run for what they're trying to do, which is not... I think everyone's really focused on America right now with all these different streaming services and aren't focused as much on global. And I think that's one of the reasons that Netflix might actually... I didn't think this was going to be a thing, but I, you know, once I looked back at everything and I realized Netflix might be making smarter moves than we think. Financially, they're still in the red pretty much every year from what I understand. But in the long term, what the plan might be is to focus on global reaches and not, a much, not as much only in America. Uh, you know, America might be the land of content, but we can all see that a lot of the shows that Netflix has been producing, you know, their German shows, their Latin shows, a lot of those shows are doing well in other markets. Um, and that's helpful. And it's, it's beneficial to them. Because, um, you know, 300 million in 300 million plus in the, in North, in the States, 30 million in Canada. Um, not even sure how many in Mexico, but North America is good, but it's not the world. And there, there's a lot of money to be made trying to expand globally. Now, again, Amazon probably going to do some amazing stuff down the road. I still think my prediction of how Amazon will merge things that other streaming services won't be able to merge, it, you know, Amazon has the servers, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like the next time you go to a website, look up what servers they're using. Like, a lot of the stuff on the internet is is on Amazon servers. Like, they just have so much. So when it comes to streaming, it's like, oh, this is actually just a small part of the our global plan. And I think that's that's the thing. People need to start thinking globally. Um, Disney was trying to make big moves. Disney wanted to buy. Um, wanted to buy Fox partially, not not completely, but partially because of the investment that they had in Sky, Sky Media, which is out of the the UK, and Sky Media was a huge part of uh, a plan that Iger mentioned about moving into, and I've mentioned this probably on other podcasts before, but a big part of their plan to move in on the European market. And then what happens? Uh, you know, Comcast comes along and buys the Sky stuff from Fox, and now they're doing big things with Com with Universal's NBC Universal Comcast is doing big things with their Sky division, and and those are big steps that are going to help them in the long run in this you know streaming war. HBO Max, Netflix, Peacock, Disney Plus. Apple Plus, I guess, um, Amazon Prime, and then you have smaller ones that are doing things. And, you know, can can you legitimately spend on all these show, on all, all of these streaming networks? No. Will it lead to more piracy? A hundred percent. It already has. 
everyone's already starting you know cable cutters are are investing in the streaming companies they they think that they will want the most of and then are bootlegging a lot of the other stuff and that's normal that's going to happen i mean it it's unfortunate uh and i and I, I, i used to say all the time if you give me a legal and easy way to to watch all the content i'll do it and they did in canada but in the states it's going to be a mess they're going to have to start bundling things. They're going to have to figure out another way, and it's going to be really hard. But it's still to be seen. It's still to be seen, and it's still going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot to be said in the next couple of years again, and I know I keep bringing it up, but one of this is, you know, again, this is one of my favorite subjects. This is one of those things, you know, everyone talks about what show is going to be on air, what show is going to be on next, but I'm... I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about what, how, how television is going to change. When I see the trailer for Undone from Amazon Prime, uh, from the creators of Pojack Horseman, meaning they poached them from Netflix, and then you see what they're doing, this kind of animated live action, like crossbred series with time travel, that is right up my fucking alley. And that type of creative content is what's like. I got Amazon Prime for free for a month, but now I'm I'm like, well, I want to watch this show. I'm invested in this idea. They've really piqued my interest. Could I boot like it? Probably. Do I need to? No. I mean, I make enough that I could pay for this service. Why, why do it illegally? You know, and that's the thing. Why do it illegally? Anyways, guys, I uh, I don't have much time for this one. Uh, I already got to run off, but uh, thank you tuning in. Thank you um, for listening to me rant a bit of, again about the many things I find interesting and the conversation that should be had about what it means to be a comedian and what the cancel culture means and, you know, avoiding turning people into martyrs because some people are not heroes. They're just racist jerks. Um, We need to celebrate the people that are going to do amazing things. And to all the people who hang out in the back in the shots of SNL and then turn out to be some of the most talented writers and producers, my hat to you because you're the people we should be focusing on and you're the people we will celebrate in the future. Um, That's it, guys. I'm out. This was another edition of Not a Journalist with Brian Holiday for FranklinArmstrong.com. You guys can check out all things Franklin on FranklinArmstrong.com. You can follow us on Instagram at, and Twitter at AStrongFranklin. You can follow me on all platforms at Brian Holiday, B-R-I-A-N-H-O-L-I-D-A-E. And that's it. Thank you so very much.